Good morning. Welcome to Lincoln Square Presbyterian Church. We gather here in the presence of Almighty God to come and respond to the one who has created us and redeemed us in Christ. And so I want to say welcome to all of us as we gather in person and welcome to those who are joining us online. Um, a couple of notes as we begin, if you, your order of worship, if you look in the inside of the front cover, there'll be information about the service and the different, different classes that are going on today for children. Um, the children for the preschool class and for the children's worship will be dismissed in just a little bit after we light the Advent candles. And also, if you look at the back of your order, you'll see the list of announcements and some different things happening in the life of the church and even looking ahead to January. So we have a couple of announcements. Um, Jody's going to make an announcement about an event tonight. All right. Well, we didn't do caroling last year, but we're going to try it this year. We're just going to meet in Giddings Plaza in Lincoln Square at uh, 5 o'clock. And I'm going to have some hot chocolate, hopefully, and some coffee. And we're just going to sing there. And anyone who walks by can join us. And probably won't sing for more than half an hour. So don't be too late, or you could miss the whole thing. <laughs> All right, 5 o'clock tonight. Yeah, you'll see the address. If you don't know where Giddings Plaza is, the address is in your, your order. Also, Anna Worley is going to share about our mission partner that we're working with uh, during this Advent season. Is it okay if I do? Um, good morning. <clears throat> um, this year, we're partnering with True Light Child Care Project as a congregation to help purchase shoes and clothing for needy children in Ethiopia. Um, there's a tree right out in the foyer that has pictures of children. We've um, already um, had 15 children taken care of, and there's only five left that need um, someone to give $35 so that shoes will be purchased. And um, the church missions team has committed to match that gift for the clothing. So I'll be out front um, after the service if you have any questions, and today is the last day that we're going to be doing it. Thanks, Anna. Well, God has called us to gather, to come and respond to his call in Christ. As we get ready to worship, let's take a moment of quiet to prepare ourselves to come before God. Our call to worship this morning is from Mary's song in Luke 1. Will you stand with us and we'll sing it together.
be seated. This week we light the fourth Advent candle. This is the angel's candle and represents the angels who heralded the good news of light to a darkened world. It reminds us of God's love. The reading is from Luke 2, 13 through 14 and John 1, 5 and 14, 1 through 5 and 14. What do the gospels say concerning the angels? And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward all people. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made throughout him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the light was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. We light this candle in love, the love of the Father, God the Father who gave his only begotten Son, Lord Jesus Christ, into a darkened world. Come then, Lord Jesus. or children's worship can make their way to the back. Pastor Eric will be there and help them head downstairs to the basement for their classes. Will you stand with us and we'll sing together.
Please be seated. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we, we join Elizabeth and we cry out in wonder, how can this be that you, Lord, have come to us? You've poured out your generosity and grace and may this good news of our Savior come and not wash over us. May, may it find us in those familiar places among those we love and care about, in our places of work. May it be present in the unexpected and the difficult, among those we find even it difficult to love. Lord, make us aware of your presence. Meet those of us walking in places of gratitude and flourishing. And Lord, meet those of us traveling in darkness, with heavy hearts, with grief and sadness, holding the desperate ache for your light to come. Lord, we know that Advent points us to a new reality, that the Savior has come and is coming to make all things new. Give us ears, Lord, to hear this good news, and Father, be changed by it. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, we now turn to our time of confession, and we'll, we'll do this together as a church, as God's people, and then have a time of song and of quiet personal confession. God of love, we confess that with the shepherds we are terrified of your glory. For in the light of your glory we see plainly all that is wrong in the world. How oppression still enslaves, how garments of war are still stained with blood. How those seeking refuge still find no place of safety. We also see what is wrong in us. How passionately we pursue the things of this world, but forget to ponder the mystery of faith how we do not practice the love you intend in our relationships, our community, or even in our church. Help us not to be afraid. Give us hope and forgive us, we pray. Amen.
take a moment of quiet personal confession. Gracious God, we confess that we are people who have traveled in darkness and struggle to walk in light. But Father, we give thanks that when we were dead in our trespasses, you've made us alive in the redeeming work of Christ. And we give thanks in him, in his name. Amen. Well, let's stand together to hear the words of assurance that come to us from Luke chapter 2. Feel free to join me if you'd like. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. You may be seated. The New Testament reading is from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 through 10. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, you have neither desired nor taken the pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. The Old Testament lesson is from Micah, chapter 5, verses 2 through 4. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth, and the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Again, it's good to be here and worship with you and look at God's word together. Um, this morning we're going to look primarily at the Luke 1 passage of 
uh, Mary's song, and but also reflect a little bit on the Micah 5 passage. This is the fourth uh, and final Sunday of Advent, um, this journey that we're invited to come on to think again about what it means to long for Christ to come, to remember that he has come, and he promises that he'll come again to make all things new. And the story that of, of Mary is one that we hear each Christmas. The angel Gabriel appears to the Virgin Mary in the small town of Nazareth and announces to her that she'll conceive and bear a son. His name is to be Jesus. He will be great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. He'll forgive his people of their sins, and his kingdom will never end. Well, after this encounter with Gabriel, Mary goes into the hill country of Judah to see her relative Elizabeth to confirm the surprising <coughs> news that both of them are pregnant. Elizabeth with John, who will be later called John the Baptist, and Mary with Jesus. Elizabeth, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> Elizabeth blesses Mary and addresses her as the mother of her Lord. In response to Elizabeth's greeting, in response to the angel's message, Mary offers this song to God. And before we read it together, I want us to think about it as a, a, a poetic vision, like a window, a window into the nature and the ways of God's kingdom. A window that allows you and me to see beyond the ways and the values of this world. Something that's hard to see at times, but we desperately need to see. A window that allows us to see something other than what the world often tells us. So let's read this together. This is Luke 1, verse 46 through 55. It's in your orders of worship. You can follow there or in your Bible or just listen as I read. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Well, this is God's word given for our good. Well, as we look at our passage and think about this as a window into seeing God's kingdom, there, there's two attributes of the kingdom that I want us to notice that the song invites us to see. The first is that, that God sees his people, that God sees. And the second that God brings reversal, that God brings reversal. So let's start with this first one, that God, our God, sees. Mary starts by saying, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. This opening line is the first of a series of poetic couplets, two thoughts that are put together to amplify one another. She's saying, my soul, my spirit, my innermost being is responding to God. 
with her two chief faculties, her soul and spirit, her affections and understanding, Mary rejoices in God. And as she begins this way, we are invited to ask, to, to think, what is the basis? What is the reason for her joy? And she sings that the Lord God is my Savior. I don't know about how you are today, but I have found joy difficult this season. The weariness and uncertainty, even amidst the Christmas lights, weariness and uncertainty seems everywhere. And so as I was reflecting on this passage, I encountered that Mary offers something by God's spirit to us, to, to me, and I think hopefully to all of us, something to consider. Joy based in knowing God as my Savior. Not just God who created all things. Not God who has a list of tasks that you need to take care of if you are a responsible, good person. But God who is known as my Savior. See, she's inviting you and I in this song to believe and to hold dear this confession that the one who has created all things sees me fully and loves me completely. That as the scripture reminds us over and over again, because of God's great love for us, he does not leave us in our sin, but has redeemed us, embraced us in his grace. Therefore, we can know God not just as the other one or the creator, but as our savior. And as we hear this song or invited to even join, we can then wonder, do we know this joy? Do we know this joy that in Christ we're invited to receive it or to remember it? You see, Mary holds it very close in her response. The Lord has looked on the humble estate of his servant. He's looked on me. And he who is mighty has done great things for me. We know who Mary is. <laughs> we, we know who Mary is, but we have to remember that she was one that her society at, at her day could easily overlook. Her humble estate refers to her low economic and social status. It speaks of her being on the wrong or the losing side in a world dominated by selfish power. She knows, and likely many of us do, she knows the frustration of not being in control in a world of power she had none. Yet she affirms how the song begins. She affirms that the Lord sees me. The Lord sees me. This theme of God seeing the overlooked is part of the ancient promises of God's word. And we saw that in Micah 5 that Teo read for us. But you, O Bethlehem, you who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, you who are the runt of the litter, as one scholar says, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel. It's part of the story, even before Mary, unimportant, not a place of significance, Yet through the prophet, God affirms not only that he sees the forgotten or the little, but he acts to lift them up. 
Who would dream that from such a small place would come forth King David? And who would think that God would summon the universal promised messianic ruler from a place that's deemed little insignificant, the runt? The Lord not only sees those who are deemed unimportant, but our passage also invites us to see that God acts in a manner that brings reversal. God sees, God lifts up, God uses the humble and the little ones. The little place will be the source of a ruler who even in the face of great difficulty and oppression, even in the midst of suffering and hopelessness, one will come from Bethlehem who will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. Under this one, the people of God will dwell secure, and his kingdom will be different from the kingdoms of the world. His kingdom will be great to the ends of the earth, and it will never end. As I said, this song is a window, a window to see beyond how things are into the way, into the promises of God's kingdom, a way for us to see beyond the values that are put upon us. And Mary sings of the Lord seeing the little ones, and the second thing I want us to reflect on is that she sings of the Lord's actions of reversal. You see, the second part of the song is all about things being flipped, being reversed. For God is the one who extends mercy to the sinner, the one who scatters the proud, the one who brings down the mighty, the one who exalts the humble, the one who sends away the rich and who fills the hungry. Mary is responding to God and his work. And not only is she singing, though, it's, it's a chance for us through God's spirit to overhear these songs and even for us to join with it. See, as we overhear and as we join in the song ourselves, we're invited to imagine by God's spirit what this kingdom would look like. What would it look like for the little ones to be seen? For the hungry to be fed? For the proud to be humbled? And the low to be honored? As, as we hear Jesus say later in his ministry, from the first to be last and the last to be first. You see, for us to sing the song and to begin to, to reflect and pray for God's kingdom to come means we have to wrestle in our own hearts about how we think things are or what needs to change. And I guess I want to take a moment just to ask the question, what is the difference between the proud and the humble? What, what's the difference between those who are scattered and those who are exalted? It's not simply that one has possessions and the other lacks. In reflecting on this reality, Augustine, many years ago, Augustine uses the image of a bottle and liquid, saying that the bottle is not the liquid. They're two separate things, and the bottle has to be filled. What does he, what does he mean? What is this image about? Well, he wants us to think about the difference between us and God, that God's divinity, God's glory, God's wisdom and blessedness is not acquired from another source. It's not acquired by God participating or partnering with something or someone. 
that God is fully divine, fully wise and glorious and loving in himself. But that's not the case for you and me. We need something to be poured into us. We need someone to pour into us to provide for us. And so as we sing this song or even ponder about the proud or the humble, it's asking is what is the source? Where do I seek my value or my power or my life? What is it that will fill me? And the proud answer this question incorrectly. By the humble see it aright. For that they are recipients from God. See the proud throughout the scripture, we are invited to see that proud do not know or recognize that God is the giver of all life. And that God is the giver of all good gifts. And as a, resu as a result, when we are proud, when we have pride at work in our hearts, we become victims of at least two different illusions. That we are in control or that we are better than others. That we are in control or that we're better than others. These are the illusions that fill the proud heart. But the humble, on the other hand, are those who see things as they truly are. You see, scripture and humility is not that we think badly of ourselves. Humility is rather seeing accurately, seeing things as they are. I know my sin. I know my limitations and mortality. I know the good that I have are gifts, good things from God and from others. I know that my value and the value of all those people who I meet, all my neighbors, is given by my creator, not something earned or achieved. What fills me? What fills me? How we answer that question matters greatly, and the song that Mary sings to God invites us to not only ask the question, but to let go of pride, to let go of wealth, in fullness, echoing what we hear throughout the Psalms and the Old Testament, it is a cry. He who is mighty scatters, brings down, exalts, fills, and sends away. You who are rich, do not trust in your wealth. You who are strong, do not trust in your strength. You who are powerful, do not trust in your ability to come out on top. For let us cry out to the mighty one, who is our savior. Ultimately, this song points to Jesus, the one who has come and drawn near to us. The one, especially during this season, we remember that God as my savior is the God who has come to us, taken on flesh. The action of reversal that this song speaks about is ultimately embodied in the person and life of Jesus. The one who was with God, who was God, took on flesh and dwelt among us to groan and to weep with us, to bear our sin and our death. God scattering the proud and lifting the humble ultimately led Jesus into the darkness of the cross, into the darkness of rejection and death. But the good news, the song of Christmas, ultimately is expressed in the ultimate 
ultimate reversal of Jesus' resurrection. For he who was humble was lifted up and given the name above all names, that we may know the joy of God as our Savior, who sees us completely in our suffering and sin, but embraces us in his grace. This is the good news of Christ. Let us know it in our hearts and let us be filled by it. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are and we thank you for the good news of Christ. We pray, Lord, that you would bless us as we hear your word and as we reflect on it. By your spirit, minister to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you please stand with us and we'll sing together. scatter the proud but fill the hungry you look in favor on the poor but cast down tyrants from their thrones remember your mercy and help us according to the promise of your steadfast love then all your people will sing out with joy and glorify you forever through Jesus Christ our Savior the tender mercy
You may be seated. Well, having heard God's word, we're now invited to the table that God sets for his people. Uh, during this time, instead of coming forward and breaking off the loaf together, we are participating in communion through these prepackaged elements. And so if you are a follower of Christ and planning on participating in communion today, then you need to have one of these. Does anyone need one? Munch has some in the back. Just raise your hand if you need one. Brought to you. Okay. Well, as we prepare to come to the table, it is good news that God is a God of reversal. But this table reminds us that it is set by Christ's broken body and shed blood, that through his sacrifice comes life. And it's set for those who are sinners that we could be forgiven. It's set for hungry, the hungry that we could be filled. If we are proud or if we have our own food, then this is not a table that we would come to. For coming requires us knowing our need before God and our emptiness. So if this is who you are, if you know of your need before God and have placed your hope in Christ, that his broken body and shed blood brings you forgiveness and new life, adoption as God's children, a place at his family table, then come and eat and drink. Let the Spirit remind you and minister to you in God's grace. If you're not yet a follower of Christ, if you don't know of that need, then let this table be a witness, a sign about who God is. That God is not only the creator, but God is known as Savior, the one who sees his people fully and loves them to the end. This is the good news that we hear in Christ and the good news that this table points us to. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this table that reminds us that you are our creator, that all good things, all life comes from you, but also reminds us that you are our recreator, our redeemer and savior. And so let us come with our hunger and thirst. Let us come with our shame and our guilt that we would know the grace of Christ, that we could walk in Christ's new life, being marked as a community, not of this world, but of your kingdom. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you're participating in communion, I invite you to go ahead and open up the elements and prepare those that you can receive them. On the night that he was betrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. Well, in response to this table, I invite, if you're able to stand, that we can pray and sing as God's people. Loving Savior, you bring hope and peace to the lowly and oppressed. 
Let us see the world through your eyes that we may love the widow and the orphan, that we may work for justice, that our lives may bear witness to the good news that you have saved us by your love. generous God as we have experienced through his table. So if you'd like to respond to his generosity through giving to the work of the church, there are offering plates in the back that you can drop off things after the service, or there's also through the website you can give to the church through there. So I encourage you, invite you to give uh, to the work of Christ. Now let, now let us sing together the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings receiving God's blessing. Just a, a couple notes. The, the Nazarene church is not having services today, so we still need to clean up the front, but there's no rush to get out of the building on, for their schedule. Uh, also, um, just a reminder that if you want to carol, uh, we're going to meet at 5 o'clock in Giddings Plaza over in Lincoln Square, so hope you can join us for some singing and hot chocolate. Now receive God's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace now and forever. Amen. May go in peace. <laughs>